stepping of this man, Luke Johan. Bounce off from McNulty, and away he goes! Harry McNulty! Knight gets away, Knight, up to the 22, he won't be caught! Welcome to okay. episode. <laughs> right, welcome to episode. <laughs> I'm a stinker. Right, welcome to episode seven of the Alakadoos. I am, as always, Chris Knight. Today, Harry can't join us, but we are once again joined by the Doctor Lutrahan, and shortly we'll be joined by Meg Jones of Wasps, England Sevens, and England Fifteens. But first of all, Doc, how are we? How are we doing? Hi, Nighty. I'm all good, thanks. Had a nice three-day weekend after the last GB Sam's camp, so I managed to get back into training full-time. Uh, so I'm very happy after my injury, uh, and then looking forward to speaking to Meg. Also involved in the GB setup. Um, we've worked with her with the UR Sam's Academy, uh, and I think she's uh, been a great role model over the last couple of years in the women's game. She's got an interesting story, so looking forward to chatting to her. Yeah, she's a bit of a character herself, so looking forward to hearing some stories. And how is that baby cow of yours? Because obviously you picked up a little bit of a niggle. Uh, is it all good now? Yeah, all good at the moment. So I've managed to do pretty much two weeks of full training, one at home and then one with the boys did full on seven on seven. So I got through that. So fingers crossed. That's the last of that. Good man, that's what we want to hear. How is life in camp as well? Everyone's in now. You, what week are you into now? How, how, how long? That, that was camp number six, that was. So we're about eight weeks into it with the weeks we've had at home. Uh, yeah, everyone's in. It's been going well. Um, restrictions haven't eased too much, um, but we were able to have a meal outside with the boys. And it's the first kind of normal chat maybe we've had um, where we haven't had to be in our rooms. And I saw you did a bit of uh, testing. Any sort of surprise winners? Or, you know, who won the testing? Who was, who was the... Who could jump the highest? To be fair, Tom Emery took that home. So it was some mad jump. I can't remember what it was in, what the score was, but it was mad. Um, that was just to have a little look at it and just test it out. I think the following... Tuesday and Thursday now we're actually going to be doing some proper Red Bull combine testing to to see how that works and then I think the plan is for them to take it on the road and start testing uh, as many people as they can in different clubs. Class so it's actually been done by Red Bull is it they've come in you know from the outside oh nice how does it work then? Uh, to be fair it's a it's just the standard container uh, but they've got their hands on it, painted it, taken one of the walls off, which comes out into a bit of a canopy. And then I think there was four squat racks in there, but it has all the screens and the um, uh, like the cables that you can touch the bars to to see how fast you're moving it to work out the power. Um, there's a couple of, you know, like the NFL combine, how high can you jump? And you swipe the, the score markers. I don't know what the technical name is for them. Um, vertical jump just vertical jump testing thing Um, and then they've got speed gates then so they're hoping it's everything they need to test and get a big data pool on what it takes to play sevens exciting stuff and I'm guessing you'll be doing fitness are you backing yourself for the win or who's your competitors Uh, to be fair there's some very very fit boys in this GB7 set up uh, so someone like Bibby be right up there. Uh, someone like uh, Robbie Ferguson puts up some good scores. Tom Emery puts up some good scores. So um, oh, there'd be plenty of competition, no doubt, between uh, between everyone there. I look forward to hearing the results and any sort of tournaments lined up because restrictions are easy now, and obviously you've got to get some pre-tournaments in before. Anything on the horizon? There's chat. There's chat around them. Nothing confirmed yet, but they're just trying to see what they can do around um, guidelines of what teams they can get over or where you'd be able to play that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, they're hoping for at least one, maybe two tournaments um, before they have to pick the team. Uh, and how, uh, how have you been, Nighty? How are you getting on? All good, mate. Didn't have a good start to the day. Toothbrush died in my mouth. It's never a nice, never a nice start to the day. But yeah, I think it's all right. Been uh, 
working hard for my master's degree out filming some uh, stuff for my challenge I'm going to do, which is uh, ride the spine. So I'm cycling from North to South Wales on a mountain bike uh, over six days uh, over the mountains, several mountain ranges, going to camp on route. So been out in the Bracken Beacons, fly my drone, filming some content for that. And yeah, just working hard, enjoying the weather really. So yeah, keep keeping good. Thank you very much, sir. Unreal. I think that's the first time you've ever asked me how I'm doing. Six no, episodes in. We have asked you because I remember we asked you at the start, like. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Right. Thanks for that insight, Luke. Right. So, right. So, on this episode of the Alcadoos, myself and Luke are joined by our first female guest, Megan Jones. So, a little bit of background on Meg before we start. Meg's a utility back who is comfortable playing fly half or centre. She plays for Wasps Ladies and has been capped for both England Sevens and Fifteens. She's also currently involved in the second Team GB Sevens camp for the forthcoming Olympics, having travelled to Rio in 2016 as a non-playing reserve, age just 19. Welcome, Meg. How are we doing? Yeah, all good. Thanks for having me on, boys. Pleasure. How are things? Yeah, good. So back in uh, GB camp now, um, done my fair bit of, with Wasps and Six Nations bits. And then, yeah, just back on the Sevens train uh, to get to the Olympics. So um, Six Nations girls obviously won uh, Six Nations yesterday. Uh, so I was there to celebrate, not on the pitch, but just kind of watched live, which was quite nice. Um, and then, yeah, just back in the mix with, with the GB girls. Um, so, yeah, it's been a bit of a crazy, crazy uh, last year, I'm sure it has for many, but uh, back playing 15s, getting that rugby dose. And then just with fingers crossed, hoping we get back on this this GB um, sort of run for the Olympics, I guess. Congratulations on on the uh, the Six Nations triumph. Doc, what are you going to ask? I was just going to say, yeah, congratulations. But how's that been going back and forth between the 15s and the 7s? Obviously, pretty unique situation. Yeah, it's been all right. Like, to, to be honest, the hardest transition was from 7s, where, where I've been since the 2016. Uh, well, twenty after the 2017 World Cup, I've just been predominantly um, 7, so like the last three, three four years. Um, it was hard coming back into Wasps. One, because... It wasn't what I wanted to do, obviously, because the circumstances that we were kind of the hands we were drawn. Um, so I was a bit reluctant. And then two, just picking up like and, and kind of seeing where the women's game was and it's kind of progressed so much. Um, so it was it was more about being tactical and and finding my feet with that element of the game. Um, so at the beginning, really, really tough. Um, just trying to get my head around it. But now balancing the two uh, a lot easier because I know what my demand is now in 15s and I know what I'm I'm expected in, in sevens. So the only difference was was where I felt I fitted in, in those teams. So for example, 15s, I perhaps wasn't as you know outspoken or the natural leader that I was, as because I'm not around them all the time. Whereas sevens, I I you know that's kind of I'd say that's more my team and something that I you know been there for four years. I felt comfortable in and wasn't really taking a back seat. So that was the only difference that I thought um, I found myself in. The playing bit was kind of natural and kind of understood that bit, but it was actually understanding, okay, this is when I need to sit back and kind of just accept what's going on. Don't need to fight that, but actually perhaps sevens fight a bit more because that's where I'm heading. Obviously with with the intentions of wanting to be in around 15s, but do you get what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, your team and the team you're kind of being introduced into. So that was the only difference. What do you, uh, do you have a preference now? 15s or 7s? Do you like them for different things or where do you sit with that? Yeah, on the fence, which is such a cop-out answer. But like, if you told, if you, if I, if you'd spoken to me like last, last year, I would be like, nah, 7s, 100%, like not interested in 15s as much. Like, yeah, I want to go back at some point, but sevens is kind of where where I'm at. Um, but going back into wasp into wasps, which I've never been at wasps, it was my first kind of uh, season with them. Just really enjoyed it. Like I was at Bristol originally when I was like 17, 18, um, and then I was kind of affiliated with Loughborough then in around seven. So I never did the club rugby bit. Um, so that's the bit I think most of the girls enjoy, as well as the international stuff. But because you're in the 15s environment, you're more at club. 
etc. So, yeah, when I got my time at Wasp has been amazing. Like the girls there are just like insane. Like love a drink, um, all for all for culture. Not no egos. Like really really nice girls, um, and there's a there's a mixed bag of girls as well. You know. And I think that's where the game's the, the game is out in 15s, um, just in terms of prem. But you've got girls who perhaps not thrive, striving to be the best um, player ever, but you've also got girls doing that. So you've got the, a good balance. So um, yeah, it's real nice up there, atmosphere there. You said you said you love a drink. Who, who's leading the social charge? Who, who... Well, wasps or GB? Wasps, wasps. Me, me, Sir Evans, all day. Um, she's like one of the props, um, just absolute crease. Like, I can't explain it. Um, there's got to be a screw loose, but she is like just jokes, like life and soul of the party, whether she's playing or not. She's on the bench, she's playing reserve. So we obviously clean the balls on the side, yeah, when we're, when we're going in. She was ball girl for one of our home games. Oh, honestly, all the teams are going nuts. Like, why the f- are you giving me this wet ball? Like, And she's like, COVID, sorry, COVID. What can I do? COVID. And the hookers have got these like drenched theories. Uh. And she's there like squirting it on. And she's like, don't tell me I wasn't part of that win, girls. <laughs> it's so funny. It's quality. But yeah, she's leading most of it, which is good. Oh, that's classy here. So I think we want to take it back from the start. Um, so um, yeah, Doc, Doc's going to ask you sort of first question, really. Yeah, you kind of... Um almost started touching on it in your in your journey to get to this point so that's what we normally ask people is if, if you're happy just to kind of give a bit of a background um i think it's even more prominent now in kind of women's rugby sharing these stories just the you're already promoting the game so much but i think it's always useful to see where you started and kind of where you've got to just to give that bit of a journey so if there's other people listening they can have a good idea of how you've done it maybe want to emulate it in some ways uh how have you ended up kind of where you are today meg yeah so a cardiff girl um went to like i went i went to my local well i wasn't that local but essentially my, my dad's a plumber so, and he he met a friend who was like oh take come bring your boy down uh Clamorgan wanderers it down around in ely uh come bring your boy and my dad was a bit like oh ely like a bit rough um like not with not that we're posh, but they're rough around the edges. And then so he took Sam, my brother, and as soon as I saw my my brother in all his kit um, at the age of six, I was like, Dad, I want to play. I want to play. And he was like, No, no, my little girl's not doing that. No, you're not going there. And then because um, he thought I just wanted the kit and the new boots that my brother had. So, um, and then my mum turned around and said, No, take her. Like let her go down. And then as soon as I went down, bearing in mind probably about two months before this it's probably worth mentioning my dad shaved my head off because I had nits so I've got a whole skin head worse than yours Luke, yeah um, and my hair's grown back a little bit so I've got like a little what bit mean, what do you mean worse then <laughs> in fact I've probably got more my and the cheek of it as well my dad didn't even shape it up so I had this like staggered um loose haircut um but yeah, so that's worth mentioning because it gets a bit funny, I guess. But I went down there, first sort of session, and it's only tag rugby, but um, down at the Wanderers, and the boys are like kind of looking at me, and they're like, oh, who's this? Who's this girl or boy? Not sure who it is. Anyway, I ended up winning um, player of the training session or whatever, and my dad's like, oh, nice. And he stood there with all the parents, and all these all these parents are stood around going, bloody hell, our new boy Megan's good, is she? And your boy Megan's good. I think my dad's like, no, that's my daughter. <laughs> They're all like, oh, right, okay. So I've got this like bowl cut, uh, short, shaved head. And, and they're all like, nah, that's that's definitely a boy. Um, so yeah, for me, it was kind of where it just shot off and I just loved it. Um, playing tag for a bit, just kind of getting used to the footwork. And then under nines, under te- under nines, I think you start contact and then getting a bit of position, positional stuff when you get to under 12, uh, 11s or 10s. Um, and then, yeah, I was playing scrum half. So I was always like one of the leaders and just kind of rooting everyone on. I had a little red scrum cap I was renowned for. But like the boys there, honestly, like there was just no discrimination or sort of, no, you're not meant to be here. Um, don't get me wrong. I probably have to earn my way a little bit playing um, football after the games and stuff. Uh, but they really respected me. And I think that kind of 
like just kind of kick-started the whole journey for me and I'll, I'll never forget it because the boys don't even play now but um they were just so good to me the parents and um yeah it, it was it was just such a great time there my dad loved it as well so I think that always stuck with me um but yeah went through the age grade stuff with the boys um, I went to Cardiff schools which was also a, a kind of turning point because I was at trial at trials and um it was always like the rich boys that got kind of got in um I don't know what pathway you boys went through but with Cardiff schools it was like um basically like the rich kids and the dads that kind of knew each other like who you know basically yeah but yeah but I like I was playing scrum off and they, I, I got in and and this boy now which I still know him and he goes to me yeah you took my spot at Cardiff schools and um, he doesn't play anymore but um it was just that that for me was also stuck in my mind because it just showed that yeah okay it is who you know but also if you're willing to work hard and outshine then you're going to get through it as well so that was my first professionalism trial-based sort of stuff um which was really cool and then we went into play millennium stadium um for the cup i can't remember what that was called do a shield. Do a yes shield. that's it that's it yeah and it was yeah. a five nil game and our number eight Cla- who... classic a, classic yeah. <laughs> a game for the <laughs> yeah but um yeah our number eight ran in from like um 60 meters i think and it, that was that was the um that was the only try in the game um so yeah and then i had to move to women's oh yeah girls rugby at the age of 13 um which was a shock because people players weren't as driven um they didn't show as much ambition as me a couple did don't get me wrong but it just always seemed to lack that fire and less, you know, less, less go and kill someone and rip their head off. Actually, it was all about, right, I'm just here to meet friends and kind of get to know. So, yeah, I would not that it stunted my growth in rugby, but particularly turning into a teenager, definitely and being wanting to be more feminine in that area, especially in high school and, you know, boys, etc. Not that that stuck with me, but you know, it was it was me trying to be feminine and, and actually I tried to withdraw my rugby a bit, not masses amount, but it's stuck in my mind. Like uh, perhaps rugby isn't all and all all it is, but um just because of the environment that I went into. So which was good. I was like great club, Cardiff um Cardiff Quinns was over in Crick, um in Witchurch. So great setup, like good good energy and I had I had good role models as well um surrounding me. So that was all good. And then I finally realised getting to kind of 15, 16, I was like, actually, I need to kind of step out of this Cardiff bubble and and perhaps this amateur amateur side of things. Um, so I decided to go to Hartbury College, um, like many of us my age who've, who've excelled. And yeah, that kind of that just that was kind of the start of it, start of it all. Um, they had a sniff that my mum was English and I said, yeah, come here. And I, I had that feeling as well that I wanted to go to England just because um not that I knew anything in depth about the WRU with the women um but, you know, I just had that feeling I had that feeling that England was was where I was going to get the most out of my journey um and I ended up um getting capped at the age of 17 playing sevens and then two years later you know finding myself traveling reserve for the Olympics in in sevens as well so it must have been a good decision because even to this day now I, I think and I'm like yeah all these things now have just helped me um, all those decisions have helped me to, to to be where I am, and you know I've gone on Commonwealth Games, um, World Cups, uh, uh, silver medal, um, and yeah, qualifying for Tokyo, etc. They're all landmarks which I think perhaps maybe wouldn't have happened if um, I was I was in the Welsh setup. Fair play to you. I think we we're, we're going to ask you about your sort of favourite memories on the field later on. But how daunting was it for you making your debut? Was it against New Zealand? Is that right? Yeah, that was my 15s. Yeah, so yeah, I was. So it's funny because I speak to Scars now and Emily Scarrett, and um, she was like, "You, you know, you were a cocky little, arrogant, whatever, 19 year old, uh, 18 year old." But she said, as soon as I stepped on that pitch, I was just. I was just mute, like not mute, but I. She could tell I was nervous before the, the the game, and I think she said that kind of stuck with her. Um, she mentioned it the other day, and I was like, "Well, yeah, like I don't think I'm the best in the world. I just that's just my personality off the pitch." But in terms of 
that game I was absolutely bricking it and um yeah like it's probably safe to say I wasn't ready for that game especially starting fly half um I did dislocate my shoulder anyway two minutes before second half so um I think that just sums me up I wasn't ready for big girl rugby yet um but yeah I was very very nervous for that one You've come on leaps and bounds since. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, it's, it certainly helped your development being thrown in at the deep end. So, uh, um, so I guess the kind of two two bits we were going to ask you about. Um, firstly, how is the current GB7 surf going? And then uh, if you're happy to, we'll just kind of touch on the last one, if that's all right. Yeah, it's going like it's going good. Um, we're, we're really at that phase where we're still getting to know each other, and it's just it's still fresh. Um, I think when it shoe colours are shine and when people get out of their comfort zones is, you know, when, when the performance and the, the time, the clock is ticking down a bit more. And I think that's when the beauty stuff comes out because, um, you know, you see a bit more of a competitive edge from people and that natural, that natural com- competitiveness that, that us girls have, I'm sure will be the same for the men, but yeah, we're still in that face because a lot of the girls transition back to, Six Nations just to get a bit of competition under their belts. Um, so yeah, we still haven't had everyone in under the same roof um, for the week yet. So I think that's next week, and I think that's going to be really, really exciting. There's more conversations around set piece, um, actually building the layers on top of the um, on top of it. And yeah, I think where it can go is if we all buy into it, is is a crazy place. Um, with what eight eight weeks or nine weeks until selections made, um, it's just it's it's crazy and hopefully it brings out the best in us. But we've just got to keep keep that on our front of our mind that we've just got to keep pushing and challenging each other. But that's one of our biggest our biggest things is is how can we push and challenge each other to get the best out of each other in such a short time. Um, and what a story it'll be when you know we're on that podium and we're screaming and shouting and. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy, but I think we're really, really excited to it. Buying into it 100%. There's no, there's no sort of complaints, um, just getting stuck right into it. And I think that's, that's the best thing you can do. Um, there's no point having a back foot on it. Who, um, who's left to come in? Because you've got, you know, you got, you got a couple of Scottish in there, a couple of Welsh, quite a lot of English. You know, who, who's left to come in? So Helena Rowland hasn't been in yet. Who's um, playing fly-off for... Uh, Red Roses and then the uh, Scottish girls have been uh, so you've got Chloe Rowley Helen Nelson Meg Gaffney Hannah Smith Uh, they all got released this weekend as well and then Hannah Jones and and Jazz Joyce Um, so they've just it's almost like what's difficult is that your attention gets reverted back to 15s so we have I don't think we've had 100% of everyone so I think that next week is what you know is it like from Tuesday that's it now is sevens all the way through um yeah all the way through to the end then nice how is it different from last camp you know obviously coronavirus has changed it massively but in terms of is there's a few more um, non-english players in this squad compared to the last one you know how is the balance how are you all integrating how are you all getting on and bonding yeah just a bit of forced fun never hurt nobody and just kind of um, we get done for calling it force fun, but it is, it is, isn't it? At the end of the day, like if you'd ask people individually, would they come? Probably not, you know. But you buy into it, so it's it's just making that environment a bit more lighthearted, so you can get to know each other off the rugby pitch. Um, so yeah, we've been, we've got kind of like a social sec going on. It's me, Jazz, uh, Abby Brown, and um, who else we got? Oh, oh, Rona Lloyd, Rona Lloyd. So um, yeah, the, us four are kind of keeping keeping it lighthearted and and making you know making it a bit more enjoyable when we can. So playing a bit of uh, frisbee, dodgeball, uh, things outside of outside of rugby, which you kind of get the most out of people. You know, a bit lighthearted, pressure off your shoulders. Um, but yeah, that's that's the main bit, and I guess is. It's understanding each other. And we had a barbecue last week, which I thought was really nice because instead of sitting in your desk and with a couple of people around, you actually were able to integrate with everyone. So it was, you know, change the topic, like, oh, like, you know, how's your boyfriend? How's your girlfriend? Finding more in, in-depth stuff about people and how they got into rugby and just understanding each other on a level. 
um, as opposed to just being rugby, rugby, rugby. Um, and I think that makes a huge, huge difference um, in terms of how we want to be treated on and off the pitch. Oh, good. Um, what sort of, you know, you were a travel reserve five years ago now because obviously it's been delayed. You know, how was that experience as a travel reserve and, you know, not making the squad? Has that driven you even further to try and make the, the team this year? Yeah, so that year um, for me was was crazy. Like I was not expecting to go. I just turned nine. Well, I was nineteen, to, going to turn twenty that year. But I'd come back from that shoulder op, so that would that had taken me a whole year to come through because that was my second shoulder, same shoulder. So it taken me a whole year. I hadn't played any Premiership. Um, literally hadn't played any rugby, and then we'd done a, a couple of training days, etc against each other a couple of training tournaments and then we played in the Alps so we played France in the Alps like three times it was snowing it was crazy but that was when the traveling reserve was getting kind of getting announced and then he told Mids told me and I was like bloody hell literally I haven't even played a world series at this stage I was literally never been on the world stage so for me it was more about the experience and just take for what it was um like I was saying earlier about understanding your squads for me, that was about observing and, you know, being being part of um, of the team, but, you know, from a less pressured situation. Um, and it did drive me because I, the, the girls finishing fourth, I was just devastated. Like I, I went through the whole the whole build up with them and it was it was just it was. Yeah, I just felt bad for them. man. And I remember I was telling them, I was like, look, we'll get I'll get third next time. I'll get third next time. Um, Hopefully we get better, but um, yeah, I, it it drove me in that sense. And um, what was different was the masses of experience that we had. Um, you know, Alice Richardson, Joe Watmore, those players were just like outstanding. Um, and you know, Emily Scarrett, Mohan, you know, there's low, you know, Katie Dale McLean, all these big names. Um, but it, it was it was just. It was so good to watch them and being in around them. Uh, so for me, that Olympics was a lot about observing, sitting back, being be the, the soundboard for them as well, but also just taking in everything in, like a sponge, bam, 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 whatever you say, I'm taking that in. But now the flip side, I'm the experienced player. I'm the player people are looking to. So it's, it, was a, it was a great learning bit for me. And you know, now it's all about me providing that experience and hopefully you know well I'm pretty confident we're going to get on that podium and we're going to we're going to succeed so just getting that in um in in for the players and being confident with it uh, I think is 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 the important bit for us definitely I think you've got a good squad obviously some people you know Scarrett's not there but you have still got you know a huge depth of experience and you know people that cross over from the last last Olympics so mm. yeah I think you've got a really good shot sweet uh, I want to sort of speak about obviously you, you've got equal pay this year for you know men and women uh, in the GB7 setup I think that's the first time that's happened in the UK in rugby union anyway you know how important is that for sort of the women's game yeah like really happy um, I think now it's just the standard hopefully that we push we keep pushing with Um I think there's a lot more to go, not in the, in the sense of sevens men, sevens women, but just women's rugby in general. I think there's a, a way, a real long shot to go. Um, but that, yeah, it's just a huge, a huge step. And it's, it's kind of, it says to me, it reaffirms, you know, people are listening. Um, and I think that's the really important bit because people get tired of us going, you know, oh, you know, small violin, get it out. But it's, it's the little things and it's a small detail that actually means a lot. Um, you know, kit was always a big issue and it still is. Um, one, it doesn't fit us. It's, it's always labelled men kit and I get it. It's, that's that's just how it is. But for us, it's the small things like that. Um, you know, like as a role model, having women's kit, but it actually fitting a, women, a female rugby player, um, that's in, inspiring for me. Um, that would have been inspiring for me, but instead I didn't have that option. So, you know, those little things, I think, really um, make a difference. And like this equal pay makes a difference. Understands that we're, we're being heard. Uh, our voices are, you know, 
the projecting people are wanting to listen so that's really important thumbs up to that um but yeah we got to keep going and i think it can become a bit tiring um but i think that's just that's just how you know that's that's my role now as as a leading rugby player one of the leading female athletes that's my role to do to do that um but yeah really important for us Definitely. I think, you know, it's a huge step forward, but we still see it, you know, you know, Alicia Butchers, she had to, you know, crowdfund to get ankle surgery, you know, that, that shouldn't be happening yeah. in the women's game, you know, what, what more could be done to help balance the books, you know, what things can be done, put in place to, you know, help get that equal footing. There's loads of on it, but it's, it's, it's money into, like, not, I get, I get the whole professionalism, yes, 100%, but, it needs to start a bit lower than that for me. Like, you need to pump money into... Like, I only ever had under-15s and under-18s women's section, late girls' sections. So there's no under-9s, under-10s, under-11s. And I get the participation bit is there, isn't there. But how? why isn't it there? Are we going into schools actively seeking female rugby players or are we just seeking male rugby players? Are we going into schools and um, kind of encourage and show them that girls can do this? No, we're probably just saying it's a men's sport. I remember sitting, uh, speaking to my um, PE teacher and saying, can we set up a girl's side? Like I was only 14, 13. And she's like, no, nope, we haven't got time for it. We haven't got time for it. No, nope. because it's not in their interest. So Ridiculous. if we can get, I know, but if we can get people in, in that those positions who see see the value in it and, you know, are, are passionate about it, which I'm sure loads will start filtering in as, as the game kind of goes on, you'll see natural increase in participation, 100%. I, I can assure you as well, after showing the game on BBC Two, the amount of girls that will pick up a rugby ball um, after that is is immense. And and I understand this money, but do you reckon the men just got, got were, were bringing in revenue like they are now? No. You have to invest. You've got to, you've got to go into your pocket and you've got to, invest it's, it's all about you know making interest in it but people just want quick turnover so they go oh they're men's i'll just invest into the men's fine happy but if you want big turnover and revenue over the next 10 years invest into the women's game 100 percent, and you'll get you'll get big outcomes yeah it's the fastest growing sport in the world i think women's rugby i think that exposure is crucial i think <laughs> having those games on bbc you know allowing the younger audience to get exposed to women's rugby and it only takes you know one game to as as you know men will attest to as women will attest to that you know you fall in love with the game so i think yeah. that that's a really important aspect there so i, I completely completely agree with that um, you know, on, on the subject of equality, you know, I want to talk about the Six Nations briefly as well. You know, England were crown champions again, but due to the coronavirus, it was a shortened, you know, shortened format. You know, as someone who's been involved in the, you are involved in the 15 setup, you know, what were your thoughts on the shortened format? Despite, you know, the men's went ahead as, as normal, but, you know, what are your thoughts on the women's, you know, unfortunately being shortened and the men's not? Yeah, there was a couple of reasons around that. I think the, World Cup qualifiers having to sit in, yeah. so Scotland and Ireland were involved with that, and then the AP15s, so the Premier, the Premier, the Premiership as well. So I think the the fact of it shortening wasn't wasn't the issue for me. Um, I think it was great. There was a standalone tournament. And I think in years to come it will be, um, next year it will be, and it'll be the original format. Um, but it was just that no one really grabbed hold of it, made it their own. Yeah. It's kind of like we just went, oh, it's the women's Six Nations. Like, did no one knew when it was on, uh, what time it was kicking off, when it was going on until. Um, it was kind of just done bef- the day before. Oh, the game's on tomorrow. Well, I've got plans now. I can't watch it. But instead with the men's, you get a huge build-up, this lovely, you know, mm-hmm. snippet to the players and what they've been up to. And individual unions do do that, but you know, it's just not the same coverage. You've got like, I know Guinness are doing a big thing with, with the girls now, but with the women now, but, you know, they have a lot kicking off with the boys and et cetera. So it's just the partnerships and stuff for me that can yeah. help push the game. And like I say, you've got to invest into it. Otherwise you're not going to get um, the outcome that you want. What do you, um, what do you think around, I with the women's game, I feel like there's lots of like unique opportunities for them as well. Like obviously the American women 
uh, and Canadian women are obviously quite a bit better than the, the male counterparts when they compete globally mm. around doing tournaments, which maybe don't just mimic the, like say the six nations or something, but you make like a very unique tournament, which makes, I don't know, maybe makes more sense within the women's game. How would you feel about that? If it was almost like a six nations, but you genuinely had, you had the slightly different team makeup of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know what? Like as a player, you just go, yeah, I'll play, I'll play whatever. But I need people to buy in, buy into it with me. I think that's that's a good idea, you know, almost like mimicking the the best sides. But yeah. um, it's it's the thing. That's the thing is, you know, you've got all suit and ties which have been around the game, the men's game for X amount of years, and they just think traditional, traditional, traditional. So for us now, women, the women's game is almost like we're trying to bash down that like traditional aspect of the game but we're not like you say we're just trying to mimic it so is there an opportunity to go separate to it yes but will we have the same buy-in I don't know because people aren't even buying into it now and we're we're trying to mimic it um so if we went completely independent almost from it you just need people to buy into it because that's that's the main thing that we need um we just want you know, coverage. Ultimately, we just want coverage on every of every platform, and partnerships and and people getting involved in the game. Um, but yeah, it just seems to me it's a good is a good point because you could almost have the best of the best just playing each other. Um, I guess it's the argument we're around Italy, isn't it, with the men, yeah. whether they should get relegated or not. Um, but yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Or you know, we just buy into yeah. the. Six Nations a bit more and actually make them professional. Yeah, you know Italy and Scotland and etc. Because yeah, I think you... there's a huge. Oh, sorry, no, you... no, no, yeah, carry on, carry on, Luke. I just like there's obviously a huge bit around. There's nothing that's going to be snappy fingers, and it's it's where it needs to be. But then I guess it's that weighing up the development piece of it as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've always I've thought about it since watching the women's six nations of the last couple of weekends kind of what's the best direction for that to go in and i to be fair i probably can't think of the right answer myself after thinking of it no no it's it's good good point though do you think that stand standalone is is you know it happened this year uh you talk about you need you know the men to a little bit to help a little bit but do you think the standalone should be a permanent fixture on the women's calendar do you think it should be separate to the men yeah i think so just because it gets spread too thin and then we almost the women if we're doing double headers with the boys we get like we get like the almost get the scraps of like the RFU staff yeah and second like, second class citizens isn't it yeah, so that sort of thing with, I'm sure they're not consciously doing it but you, you just you know I mean like they'll be in the Millennium oh, sorry Twickenham Stadium <laughs> and we'll be down over in the stoop and you know it's just like that itself just shows to me that we're already second best and I get some of the girls say the stoop's amazing is, is enough for our crowd but why don't we just go there and try and sell out the whole of Tuckenham Stadium and it was they, they cut off like one side for us and stuff so we like you have one stand not that everyone fills it but if it's if it's not there people won't go but I'm yeah. sure now it'll be it'll be like packed up do you know what I mean um but yeah I think standalone is probably our best option um just thinking about it, thinking out loud, just because the resources aren't kind of scraped thin um, and we get maximum out of everyone, like media, uh, yeah. you know. Exposure, you get that max, ma- yeah. maximum exposure, I think. And yeah, I think that's, yeah. The, that's, the, that's the way to go. So hopefully see that, see that in the future, hopefully. And it'll be like 12 weeks of rugby for some people if they enjoy the women's as well and the men's. So you can yeah. watch the men's straight into the women's and, you know, people live for it. Quality. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing I really want to see happen is in those two um, kind of weeks where there isn't any games is chuck in like kind of Six Nations Sevens tournaments on. Yeah, nice. So just pick a, pick a stadium, do the men and the women on a Saturday, Sunday, because I don't know what you guys are like, but whenever there's those two weekends, I, like, I just want to watch. Watch a bit of rugby, more. yeah. You're like yeah. Craving it. Yeah. No, it's, it's a f- true uh, fair point, but like, for example, they start no crowds. Bearing in mind, we've gone to the stoop. They've reseeded Twickenham. Like, yeah. could they not done that after? Yeah, they haven't had any. They haven't had any games on <laughs> it for like two years. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it just, I just don't. I, I, there's probably some 
you know, background information that yeah. I don't know. But you just think, really? Like, we could have just played at Twickenham Stadium and felt valued as well. And then for players, yeah. I go, oh, banging. It is that. It's all, it's all about playing in the stadium because it's that experience. Yeah. You know, you can tell your kids, you can tell your family, I've played in Twickenham and that's that's huge. That, yeah. that should be, yeah, that's ridiculous how, how that came yeah, out. I'm, I'm coaching like 12-year-old boys and stuff and they ask me, they go, oh, do you play, do you play at Twickenham? Like, do you train at the stadium? And I'm like, no chance, no chance would you see me at the Twickenham Stadium. I only go in there for gym and I have to book that. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's for the, yeah, it should, that should be the norm. I should be saying, yeah, I play at Twickenham Stadium. And you do, but on very rare occasions. Yeah. We were talking about, you know, you, you coach young lads and you talked about growing the women's game. You're recently involved with UR7s, who are an academy that sort of coach sevens to young young lads but they've just started a, a women's academy i believe and you're involved in that do you want to talk us a little bit about that and what your role is and how it's going to help the development of the women's game yeah so amazing opportunity uh, again like i've never had anything like that in my in my sort of um, young young rugby career so having that opportunity just for young girls to have a sevens platform and and kind of have a, a similar sort of um platform to push their career on as the boys and um, particularly in sevens as well but yeah um bernie pascal ur sevens um top man just kind of said suggested to abby burton myself and amy wilson hardy if we'd be interested in kind of being ambassadors and and leading the uh the girls girls section in in the ur sevens which i think is is amazing because like i was saying earlier i think my role now as a female rugby player is just to push the game as much as I can, be an advocate for the game um, in every sense, whether that's just coaching, uh, being a role model, being the face and and kind of uh, someone to look up to in rugby. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's just, again, we talk about opportunity and about equal opportunity. And I think this is one of the, the things that is going to drive, drive that. Um, and hopefully with more females in the game now starting to coach, you'll see a bit more of that. And I think more opportunity where young girls will think, yeah, actually that's, that's something I can, I can do and I can, I can see it happening because these girls have done it. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a great opportunity. You know, they can go away for a couple of days, um, get some pure sevens and professionalism knowledge from the boys and girls that have been in and around it. So I know the boys will do some coaching with them and that's really, really valuable because, um, it's getting a different voice, but also understanding that there's male counterparts out there that actually want to support you. Um, because it's all, albeit like females are singing from the same, same hymn sheet and wanting to do the same thing, but having your male counterparts actually fight for you and, and show you that you can do this as well drives you that little bit more. Um, and I think that's really important um, to see throughout the game, especially if we're trying to push the women's game as well. Definitely. So when is it starting? You know, where can people find more information about that? So she's got a big poster now. We're plugging you our servants to the death, yeah. Barney yeah, exactly. Things. He's getting he's getting good coverage. No, so we've got um some trials coming up and that'll be sitting in and around May, I believe. I could be wrong. There we go. June. I like June. So June the 12th, June the 13th, we've got some trial dates and um, locations to be confirmed. But all of it will be on the UR7 sort of platforms um, and just essentially uh, buzzing your interest and kind of hopefully we can go from there. And a big thing for us is not about going, right, this is rugby and this is how you do it. It's a part of the experience and kind of understanding it as a whole. So some girls might not have even played sevens. Um, and it's about finding that that ground and and where we can push it a bit further. But yeah, so that those days will be a lot about get to know, understand the game, see where, where we can go with it, and then also just give them a bit of a taste of of what you know what to expect from it, um, creating more of a professional setup, and giving them giving them the uh, the rugby dose that they need. 
Amazing. And that's at UR7s on Twitter and at UR7s Academy on Instagram. So we'll uh, we'll push that in. But that's exciting. And I, I've coached women before and I generally, I really, I really enjoyed it. I did a bit with the women's in Swansea Uni and I think I coached Courtney Kite who went on to, she's mm-hmm. Wales Centre now. So, yeah. but I just find they're so much more responsive and they're so much, you know, they're eager to learn. And as a coach, that's what you want. You know, you want yeah. people to you soak up all the information and, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to hopefully being involved in those dates and uh seeing some future stars uh any advice as well out there for any young women who are you know perhaps beginning their journey into rugby in general yeah a big one for me is um just do it like the worst thing that can happen is people are going to talk um and i think that's the best bit at least they're talking about you but if you want to give it a go to give it a go who's to say that you can't you can't be the next emily scarrett um, the next knowledge, Danielle Waterman. So give it a go. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's the bottom line. But it is definitely something that I wouldn't now looking back that I'm so glad that I did. I did a lot of sports growing up, but rugby was just one of those things that just showed me, you know, respect, um, hard work, teamwork, diligence, resilience, all those key sort of words. But rugby was the one that shone out to me and showed me those things in abundance. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, looking back at it as a young girl, see, seek role models that are going to guide you in the right way as well. They're, they're out there. You, maybe you have to push a little bit harder, but they're definitely out there. Um, and, yeah, give it give it your best shot. There's, there's nothing to say that you can't you can't do it. Awesome. Who were your role models growing up? Um, Stephen Jones. What a guy. No, what I, a guy. I watched. So, yeah, good man. Wore shoulder pads. So, um, yeah, definitely resonated with him really well. But no, I don't watch a lot of men's rugby. So, the only one that shone out to me was Non Evans. You know, oh, yeah. he had a winning kick against England in the Six Nations. And I think there was a small, little tiny bit of article. And my dad read it. He goes, Oh, look. And I was like, Yeah, I love Non Evans now. But I didn't have a clue. Never watched women's rugby until my dad took me. Um, when I was getting a little bit older, maybe it was 15, 16. But before that, I just wasn't, it wasn't around. Um, Nadine Griffiths, I, I bumped across. She used to do a bit of Cardiff, Cardiff Blues, like development days uh, with the boys. So I did some, I saw her. But again, um, I never watched her. She was just a female person in that, in that role. Um, but yeah, like I said, like, uh, yeah, Stephen Jones, Dwayne Peel, I used to love him. I used to love watching them. Um, absolutely. Old school. Yeah, literally. I, they were, that's when they were winning all the Grand Slams back in those days, didn't they? I know they were. Yeah. He's Luke's hero as well, isn't he, Luke? <laughs> well, I, well, I had a... Because um, I used to live right next to uh, um, Study Park, so I used to jump over the little fence before they cared about people going on the training facilities, and I reckon I must have been about... 14 uh, or 15 and the Scarlets were then coming out and I was just practicing my kick and I ended up having a kicking competition against uh, Stephen Jones. So yes, nice, that was a cool memory when I was younger. That uh, is cool. Yeah. I paid for that. Who won? Who, who won? <laughs> well, yeah, it was, uh, I think yeah, he, won. he won, I think by the pure like process that I couldn't probably kick further than about like 30 meters. <laughs> Uh, once anything that got too close to the touchline, I just couldn't kick it anymore. He showed you no remorse then, no like he's a young kid. I'm going to go easy on him. He he sort of took you to the cleaners. Yeah, let him let him off. Yeah, yeah, no, which is how it should be, to be honest. I reckon. <laughs> stay humble. Stay humble. <laughs> Brilliant. We um, Meg, we touched about it earlier where Luke asked about potentially a breakaway with Canada and you know, USA, but there's been a lot of talk recently about a women's lion series, you know, what are your thoughts mm. on this and can you see it becoming a reality in the future? Yeah, I think if you want a big spectacle, uh, but again, it's the, the traditional bit, isn't it? That we're trying to stay with the men, but I don't, I, I think it'd be a good idea um, to play, you know, uh, New Zealand, etc. So yeah, I think it's a good idea. Well, one, because I'd, I'd like to be involved <laughs> and I think that'd be a cool experience. <laughs> But two yeah. as well, I think, is another opportunity, something else that's kind of can drive you as a, a female athlete, female rugby player, um, and also resonates with the men, which is, I know we don't want to be compared, but or be the same as. In fact, yeah, but 
those are the things we looked up to when, I was, when we were younger. Um, it was never, I've never thought of being a Lions player, but now it's suddenly becoming a, a reality. So if that's already driving me and making me open my eyes up a bit, then what's that doing to young girls? I think that's insane, isn't it? So, yeah, I think great idea. Um, if they, they're going to put money into it, so happy days, that'll, that'll push participation and um, interest. Um, but like I said, if we're going to do a similar thing to the men, um, kind of got to be. Yeah, how do you envision working? Because obviously, you know, New Zealand are second in the rankings, South Africa are way down in 13th, Australia sixth. You yeah. know, you've got, would it be like potentially a North America tour where you play Canada and USA? That could be an option. France are third in the world, yeah. you know, Italy are doing quite well. So, how do you envision it working? Um, I think the biggest contender would be New Zealand, definitely. Um, is it is it that we do those those separate um, separate teams because obviously South Africa aren't pushing through, but they've also appointed um, Campwell, who's a previous Irish player. I think she's the most capped player, uh, who's now coaching them. So that's also pushing that a little bit more. But equally, that exposure if South Africa play Lions, does that then push the South African sort of budget and interest? So there's there's pros and cons to. I guess you want to do the spectacle that's now and now and then, um, but how do we make it worthwhile as well? Because it's about leaving legacy and all those buzzwords, but making a difference. So I think that's that's the biggest thing, um, as well as making it a, um, a spectator sport and, and wanting to watch it. So yeah, this is a good good. I don't think I have the answer, but it's definitely a good talking point around whether we do, you know, the Americans and Canadians and. Uh, playing that side of side of the fence, but um, I think that the Lions tour in itself is just is is good value uh, for the women's game. Great touring opportunities as well, and all, always about the social great social ops. Yeah, <laughs> get Misa Evans on there. Straight in a social set. Well, it's food for, <laughs> it's food for thought anyway, and it's something definitely to ponder over. Yeah, but uh, some yeah, definitely. you know, exciting for the future. Um, so yeah. the last couple of points I. Um, Two things we're going to ask. So what have been either your favourite rugby memory or a couple of favourite rugby memories that have stuck in your head? Um, first couple when I was younger. So getting the Cardiff school trials and kind of like beating the odds there again through as a scrum half. Um, second one was winning the UK school games sevens tournament and the 18s buzz with Wales which is very controversial, but it was a really nice buzz. We had Richie Pugh um, coaching us. I uh, was playing with Jazz, playing with Hannah Jones, but there was a really nice feel in the group. And then, um, yeah, we ended up winning, which I think was, um, again, against the bookies, um, which tends to be the, the, the best stories. And then qualifying for the Olympics, the Olympic Games, really, um, you wouldn't have put money on us. You know, the money was on France. Even the boys said, I know Chippy turned around, he said, Bloody hell, I didn't think you were going to do that. He was like, <laughs> I don't know how you've done that. He was like, I knew, he was like, the boys are fine. I just didn't think you were going to do it, girls. Um, but we've done it. And I think the thing is, we worked so hard. We spoke about it so much. And it happened. It happened. And that's the first time that's ever really happened with me yeah. um, in a rugby context. And I think that was, it was like a really nice time. Um, and yeah, just enjoyable. So it's always nice when you win, isn't it? But those, yeah, those three things kind of stick out, stick out the most in my, in my career. Amazing. That's, uh, I think that's always powerful when you see the uh, kind of the the idea, the journey, and then kind of the outcome working the way, isn't yeah, it? it works, yeah. um, Crazy. I guess the follow up then, you've kind of touched on a few funny stories. Is there any other funny things that have happened to you or you've seen happen that jump into, jump into your mind? Um, Heather Fish is always a good one because she's off absolute nut. But um, there's yeah, she's got some great stories that girl. But um, there's this one. It's not even that funny. But essentially, she was looking for a necklace. She was on tour in Canada, and you know, just minding our business. We, there was a Starbucks at the end of the hotel, just down the sort of like uh, hill, and she was looking for a necklace sort of string for a, a necklace and we were like all right fish like you don't need it now do you like we're literally playing in two days um anyway she ends up coming back with samples and um in mind she's just gone to starbucks she ended up coming back with samples and then um, 
She's like, yeah, she's dropping off more later. And I was like, what? She was like, yeah, um, basically it was in Starbucks and I was chatting about it and this woman turned around in the queue and said, oh, I have a necklace company. And then she's gone, what? Oh, can you get me one? And then was like measuring it apparently up against their leg and was like trying to like finish. Like, I just wanted this long. I just want a piece of string this long. And then the woman ends up coming back two hours later to the hotel, drops off all these like strings and necklaces and earrings. Um, so Fisher's got all this jewellery. She's like, oh, cheers, just wanted a piece of string. Anyway, she ends up having that. And then we had a little social um, at, the, uh, at the end of the uh, tournament. And she comes down to these dangly earrings. Bearing in mind, Fisher's obviously bald and, you know, um, she's, got these, she's got these earrings on, right? And she just she stood there like just like this, just with the earrings on. And we've gone, everyone's kind of like, Fish, what are you wearing? She's like, what? She's like, what have you got in your ear? She's like, well, I've got new earrings. I've just got new earrings. And we're all like, is she joking? Can't work out if she's joking. She's like, what? Because I'm bald. Because I'm bald, I can't wear earrings. And we're all like, no fish, no. And then we're like, everyone's like, don't laugh, don't laugh. So we're all like, try, like literally like trying to keep it in. No one's looking at her because you'll laugh. And we felt like she, she didn't want us to laugh at her. And then she ended up going like, girls, are you joking? Obviously I'm not going to wear these earrings. And like, we were all just like, you're a dick. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. I was like, you're just a... <laughs> so, but she fully done us. Like she was wearing these earrings. She was just like full, proper like dangling. They were hideous as well. But bottom line is, Fisher's got the gift of the gab and she literally gets anything, anywhere, at any time. Um, the fact that this woman came back two hours later to drop off all these necklace strings was just, yeah, it was just quality. But um, yeah, she's always she's always doing uh, funny things on tour and um, she keeps morale up, I guess, sometimes. But um, no, yeah, that's, that's something that sticks with me. I'm sure there's more, but um, no, that, one, that one's always a good one. For another time, for another time. Brilliant. Um, aside from making Team GB squad, obviously for for Japan, what would you say your rugby goals and sort of aspirations are? You know, in the future, love to win a World Cup, fifteens. Um, uh, obviously, yeah, love to win a gold medal Olympics. In terms of years to come, I don't know. I've, I've pondered on this thought a little bit. I would like to play abroad a little bit, but um, it's always easy to speak about I think but actually doing it is the brave part but I know Japan got a decent league even for the women um, that'll be a nice place to go Aussie Australia with the, the sevens league they've got as well um, so yeah there's a couple of things I'm, I'm thinking about um, might not actually happen because you always you always get stuck in the in the rugby realm and kind of just get taken with the with the with the rugby world but yeah definitely win a world cup and um, that's on there win a couple more Six Nations. But, yeah, in terms of sevens, we obviously got Commonwealth as well. Do a, um, a one-up on that and get a gold. Because uh, we got bronze last time, so gold would probably be better. But, yeah, loads of things. And I guess there's always little carrots jumping around the place. Um, yeah, and the goals move, don't they? You know, things change. You know, 100%. It's where you are in life. But if you do go to Australia, don't forget sun cream because that pasty card of skin will take a tune in. <laughs> Don't worry about me. I'll be having a sun visor on as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Goals change, don't they? So, but it's exciting. 100%. Exciting opportunities. Yeah. And maybe a lion's tour as well if we, uh, if we get onto that. Emily, your hero, Stephen. Yes, come on, the boys. <laughs> right, couple of couple of quick fire to finish. Uh, best player you played with? Oh, Alice Richardson. Nice. Yeah. Emily Scarry is, is good as well, but um, yeah, I just, I, Alice's uh, ruthlessness, I yeah, really enjoyed. Uh, best player you played against or the one you sort of least like to play against? <sighs> Loads. Kelly Brazier, my feet. Yeah, New Zealand, Kiwi, insane. Yeah, I don't mind playing the Kiwis as much, but yeah, they, Kelly, yeah, Brazier's feet are pretty sensational. So yeah, trying to, Trying to tackle it and keep up with them. Nice. Uh, Favourite location to tour? Cape Town. I enjoyed that one. That one was really nice. Um, the first time we were on the, that leg. But yeah, uh, just enjoyed the location where we were. However, when we did Sydney one year, it was it on... Um, what beach was it on? Coogee Beach. And that was just exceptional. Like, we were literally the hotel beach. Um, so that was lush as well. But I think Cape Town 
it's just because of the culture side, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty nice over there, isn't it? And they, they look mm. after you. They look after you very yeah. well. Best tourist? Um, Abby Brown. That girl will literally stay up until crack of dawn, just dancing. I don't even know what she does. So you literally like going home now, and she's like, no, I'm going to stay out. And she's literally on her own. I'm like, all right. <laughs> always always get them. Always get them. And yeah. uh, worst tourist or worst, worst on the social? Um, Fisher. She doesn't drink. She can't drink. She literally has one beer and she's like, no, I can't do it. So, um, yeah, Fisher. And she probably has to, she has to have a good night's sleep, otherwise she can't function. Um, so, yeah, good good value midday. Uh, loser about seven o'clock. Power nap that turns into seven hours. Yeah. Smoke bomb and gone. It's, I don't know if that's because she's, yeah, I don't know if that's because she's a little bit older. I won't say her age, but she just needs a little nanny nap. <laughs> Priceless. <laughs> Price. <laughs> Doc, anything else from you? Uh, no, all good. That was all the questions I wanted. Probably just say good luck for the rest of the GB program, but we'll see you there. See you there, Luke. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll hopefully see you soon with the UR7s, yeah. but good luck for the rest of the camp. I'm rooting for you. Where can we find you on social media? Do you have, uh, is it Thanks Meg? Thanks Meg, at Thanks Meg, yeah. Where's that, com- where, where's that come from? That was the first um, question. I don't know, I was just being a cocky 13, 14 year old and was like, yeah, thanks, Meg. Like, what? This <laughs> is stupid. Dumb. I even think it was my Xbox name at one point as well. Really? I was just dumb. It's probably because I was like, like slaying people on uh, Call of Duty and they were like, yeah, thanks, Meg. Yeah. <laughs> headshot. No scope, headshot. No scope, no scope, headshot, boom. <laughs> boom, done it. Calling those noobs. Yeah, noobs. <laughs> noobs. I right, up, noob. Uh, no, thanks for today, Meg. Uh, some great no insight there and some uh, really good answers. So thank you. And as always, we've been the Alakadoos. Thanks for listening. Uh, don't worry about finding us on social media. We'll find you. Thank you very much. Bye.